0: Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, starting at verse 17. And as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside, and on the way he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked, flogged, crucified. And he will be raised on the third day. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons. And kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, What do you want? And she said to him, Say to these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your kingdom. Jesus answered, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? And they said to him, We are able. And he said to them, You will drink my cup. But to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
1: Well, again, good morning, and welcome to the Latham Campus of Christ Community Church. It's good to, to see you, good to be together as we continue to celebrate and continue to, to walk through uh, the Gospel of Matthew. Um, you may have noticed that I, I grew four inches uh, over, over the week, um, and, and actually, like, uh, I have like half the space I have up here, so we, we have an over-under bed as a staff of when I fall off. Um, Reed one said... One month. Red, one month. I said 9.30, um, so... <laughs> This is a service that's going to happen, uh, but if you want to get in on the bet, by all means, um, it's going to be fun. So uh, again, so glad that you're here. Uh, thanks for worshiping with us. Let me, let me pray for us, um, and then we'll, we'll jump in uh, to what God has for us through Matthew uh, today. Father, we are so grateful that you uh, speak to us, that you continue to speak uh, your word uh, to us. God, you've spoken in the past, yes, through the prophets, God, through the apostles, and most of all, through your Son, the Word made flesh. And yet you continue to speak now to us through your Holy Spirit, alive and at work within us. So we pray, Holy Spirit, would you uh, make us attentive to your word? God, would you convict us? Would you challenge us? Would you stretch us and make make us whole? Make us more into the people that you long for us to be. And be glorified, we pray, Lord Jesus, in Christ's name. Amen. Well, when I was a kid, one of my favorite books... Uh, to get from the library. I mean, I, I could, like, sit and just, like, flip through it for hours. I would get it over and over again. And actually, now that I have an elementary student uh, living in my house, like, he brings the same book home. Like, I never even, like, prompted him to do so. He brings and found out, actually, that it's one of the most checked out books in any elementary school library. The Guinness Book of World Records. Right? <laughs> I mean, who doesn't love the Guinness Book of World Records? Like, like, what is it about the weird and fantastic that makes us, us, us so obsessed? Like, why do, why do I care who has the longest fingernails, right? I know, right? Like, why? Why do I care who made, who made the biggest cheeseburger? Like, that's like a big thing. Or, or who the greatest foot archer is, right? Like, why? And yet... Every time he brings it home, I'm like, ooh, let's look what I, I mean, it's like the, the, the biggest, the strongest, the fastest, the, the weirdest, right? The greatest in, in whatever random category. I mean, they're actually humans that compete in these arenas, right? It's a little shocking. I mean, it's almost, it's almost like they took one look at the real Olympics and were like, well, I can't do that, you know, but I do have a huge mouth, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I can't, I can't hurdle uh, fast enough. But if I put flippers on, like, there's actually a category for hurdling with flippers. Like, why? Okay, and uh, lest you think I'm making fun, um, I mean, maybe a little bit. Um, I, we did a little, little contest, uh, Reed and I, um, uh, to, to see here. Because honestly, if, you, if I thought I had a shot at any of these, of course I'd go for it. Like, who, who wouldn't? Uh, and yet, so we, we did a little, little contest, uh, Reed and I, this week. Here's Reed's attempt at greatness. Right, wait for the finish. There it is. There it is. This is this is what we do uh, during the week. Those of you who are like, "What does a pastor do the rest of the week?" Now you know. Um, here's my attempt. Right there. You like that? Yeah, that happened. Um, it, like cat. <laughs> There's a reason. There's a reason it wasn't live. It's like. I just knew I'd hurt myself for sure. Um, that, that's in the category most disturbing, I think. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. shut it down. Um, yes, that's what we do uh, during the week. Um, but like this, this quest we have for greatness as humans, right? I mean, it's a, little, it's a little over the top, a little bit ridiculous. Like the things we will do to somehow be, be great or consider great. I mean, ambition, it, it flows through our veins. And I want to be... I want to be the best. I want to be the best husband and, and father and friend. I want to be great at my job and my hobbies, right? Don't, don't you want to be great at something, anything, right? And then here in this story, Jesus tells us that true greatness is found in the very last place we'd ever look. That for him and his kingdom and the way that he is breaking into our world, that true greatness, that first place for Jesus is found in the last place we'd look. Completely upside down, completely blown, blowing away our expectations. It's not, it's not in the categories we think of of being fastest or strongest. It's not in being richest or most successful or better looking or smarter or powerful or looking like you're the happiest. Greatness in his kingdom Well, let's take a look. We're in Matthew chapter 20. And here we are again, right, in this this section, like, that just keeps kind of hitting us in the face, doesn't it? And and once again, Jesus throws our our expectations upside down. This is the third week in a row that Jesus has said very clearly, like, in my kingdom, life in my kingdom, the first will be last and the last will be first. The disciples, they've already heard it twice. It, It shouldn't... It shouldn't surprise them where Jesus takes us today. And now Jesus pulls the 12 aside and he says to them, and I think the context here is really important. See, Jesus says, we are going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified and he will be raised on the third day. Now again, Jesus knows exactly the path that's laid out for him, okay? This is, this is no surprise. This is the third time in Matthew, he's told his disciples where it's all going and still Jesus goes there willingly because he knows where true greatness is found. But clearly the disciples are not listening because while these words are like still on Jesus's lips practically, two of the disciples, James and John and their mommy, okay, come up to Jesus and ask him for a little special favor. Come on, Jesus, we're your favorites, right? Look what she says. She kneels before Jesus and says, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. Like Jesus, once you overthrow the Romans and set up your own kingdom, like in their minds, that's what a Messiah does, right? It's, it's, it's power, it's, it's success, it's victory over, over these earthly, earthly enemies. When that happens, Jesus, say that my two boys, one can be VP, right? And the other, Secretary of State. Now, I love to, like, kind of picture this scene here, because James and John are grown-ups, right? Like, they're adults, but I picture them, like, somewhere behind their mom, kind of squirming, bashfully elbowing one another, right? They know that this is weird and awkward, as their mom makes this huge favor, but like... Like, what mom doesn't long for greatness for their kids, right? And even if you think about, it, like, way back in chapter 4, uh, when James and John left everything to follow Jesus, they left a lot. I mean, they, they, were, they were fishermen, yes, but the context kind of indicates that they were most likely, like, uh, small business owners in their father's fish, fishing industry, that they had employees that, that reported to them that worked. I mean, leadership, that's part of who they are. They're not a bad choice for leadership, It's just that they haven't been listening. In fact, the the next time that Matthew talks about the left hand and the right hand of Jesus, it's going to be about the two thieves hanging on the cross beside him. That's his left and right, right? Matthew knows that. James and John have missed it. And so, verse 22, Jesus answered, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? And they said to him, yeah, sure. And he said back to them, you will drink my cup. But to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. His way is the way of death, of suffering, of of self-sacrifice. That's where he's going. And they're like, yeah, yeah, Jesus, we can drink that cup, sure. I mean, and the great irony is that they have no idea what they mean by that, but Jesus does, and Jesus actually says, actually, you you are going to drink my cup. I mean, James is going to be the first of the 12 apostles who are murdered because of Jesus. John will end up suffering the end of his life in, in exile because of Jesus. They're going to drink that cup. And you know, Jesus says, this is, not, this is not mine to grant, right? It's like, why, why are we talking about this? But now, now there's drama, right? Because you knew it was going to happen, right? The other 10 find out about this. I'm kind of mad, right? Look, look what Matthew says. I love what Matthew's saying, because Matthew's one of those other ten, right? It says when, when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. Of course they are. Like, wouldn't you be? And like I'm I'm convinced it's not because the other ten were just like so humble and they're like, how how dare they? It's because they didn't think of it first, right? I mean, just a few chapters earlier, the 12 of them were arguing about which which one is gonna be the greatest, right? They're just afraid they're gonna be left out, so of course they're ticked. So here's, here's the first observation for this morning. Whether it's some bizarre world record or something maybe a little bit more normal, everyone is looking for greatness. Like all of us, right? And, and it's not all bad. I mean, greatness is hardwired in us. We, we were created in the image of a great God. It's not all bad. The, the, the longing to be great isn't the problem. The problem is that the, that desire, at least, I mean, at least for me, it's mostly self-centered, right? I mean, that, that's why I want to be great. I want, I want, you know, I want to feel good. I want to be powerful, I want to be strong. Power isn't the problem. We all have power. Self is the problem. Ambition isn't the problem. Selfish ambition is the problem. In fact, later on in the New Testament, uh, selfish ambition is gonna be referred to as demonic, right? In fact, it says in James, for, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. And what's so interesting about power and greatness, I mean, we, I think we all know the seductive power of many sins in our lives, don't we? We know how sex seduces us money, stuff, how comfort, like, woos us in, but greatness, power, I think, I think it seduces us without us even knowing it, and it only gets harder with age, the more, the more authority and influence and visibility you're given, and so before we go any further, we have to ask ourselves, where am I seeking greatness? Like, what, that, what does that look like for me in, in, in my life? Because every one of us is. And, and it's, not, it's not all bad, but we have to be aware. And so for many, it's probably family, right? You want, you want it to be the best. That's not a bad desire, right? Or, or maybe it's the office and you, you keep climbing higher and higher. Or maybe it's just like on the field. You want to be the best player. Or at school, you want to you be popular. Those desires aren't necessarily bad. But what will you do to get there? And really, what's behind that motivation? And let me even just confess, I mean, pastors are the worst at this. Like I, th- I mean, at least some of us are. I mean, because we can even, like, call it religion and feel good about it, right? I mean, I can, I can remember, for example, uh, many, many years ago when I was a much more foolish pastor. Um, I hope it was... I hope that's the case. Um, but several, several years ago, I'd only been a pastor for a couple years. I remember driving home. I had about a 30-minute drive by myself on an MLK weekend. Um, and I was just you know, flipping through the radio, and I found a musical tribute to Martin Luther King Jr. All these songs had been written in honor of this great person. And I thought, wow, man, that's cool, right? And as I'm, I'm you know, driving along, I begin to, to dream about like what are, what are the big issues left in our world? Like, what can I give my life to? How can I, how can I change the world like, like he did? And then as I'm feeling really, really good inside, I mean, just because I'm just that great, right? I realize all of a sudden that like, you know, actually, I don't want to do any of that. I just want to have songs written about me, right? Like that's, that's it. I mean, even, even reading the story, it's like, well, we know James and John aren't going to be at Jesus's right and left, but I mean, Jesus, you're saying there's a chance, right? We know who's not. What, you've never thought that? Hey, somebody sent me this article uh, last week. Which professions have the most psychopaths? You'll be relieved to know that pastor is only number eight. In fact, I, I shared this with our, our staff, and, and uh, one of them, who will remain nameless, looked right at me and said, hmm, I thought it'd be much higher. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah Spence. Uh, very, very, very funny. Uh, but what, what's so interesting about this article is the, the kinds of positions that psychopaths are drawn to. I mean, that's, that's the point of the article, right? Uh, if you look, I mean, they're typically, like, it's positions of power, of authority, of control, while those with the least amount of psychopaths are, tend to be caregivers, right? Tend to be service-oriented. And, and listen, I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with any of those positions, right? I'm not, I'm not making any sort of judgment claim on them at all, right? Nothing wrong with having power. All of us have power. There's nothing wrong with seeking greatness. But how are you trying to get there? Why are you trying to get it? And what will you do with it once you have it? To what end? Maybe maybe this is a silly example, but I think this, this cartoon summarizes it really well. You know, one mom says, if you do not study, you will end up like him. Right, We probably said those things. We thought those things. but That is a very self-centered view of greatness, isn't it? You do this so that you can be better than that person. And again, I know this is simplistic, but I love what the other mom says. If you study well, you will be able to make a better world for him. I mean, yes, that means that, that she would have you know, greater stuff and power and, and authority and all of that, but her greatness would be positioned towards something bigger than, than her. And so, for example, I mean... If you're the popular kid at school, like, fine. But are the unpopular kids flourishing because of you? Are you using your popla- popularity for the for the good of those for others? Like, or maybe you're the best on the team, but are you are you setting your, your teammates up for success to look the best? Or, you, know, maybe, you know, maybe you're the CEO, and you have all this authority and power and influence. Like, but are your employees flourishing because of your power, because of your greatness? What about at home? You want to lead your family but you're sitting on the couch expecting to be served. It doesn't count. What about your friendships, your neighbors? Because the most, the most interesting thing to me in this passage, I mean, I think that, just, that blows me away. I mean, Jesus, he's about to rebuke his disciples. Like, of course he is. Like, you know it's coming, right? You don't even have to know who Jesus is. You know that, that he's gonna lay them out. And frankly, he's gonna, he's gonna lay us out as well. He's, he's coming for us, right? But he doesn't rebuke them for seeking greatness. He rebukes them for seeking it in the wrong place. Because everybody's seeking greatness, but according to Jesus in his kingdom, greatness is found in last place. Greatness is found in last place. I mean, after all the Olympics, like this is what we've learned, right? I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Like Jesus, how could you possibly come up with this idea? Really? Verse 25 But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercised authority over them. Like, you know how the world works, you know how people use power. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Where is greatness found? Service to others. Who gets first place? A slave. And, I mean, this sounds shocking enough to us in our culture, but, like, for them in the Greco-Roman world, where they actually have slaves, right? Or, or even, even just their, their cultural understanding of humility. For, in, a, in a Greco-Roman mindset, humility is a, a, ver- a vice, not a virtue. Like, humility is something to be eschewed and pushed aside. No, you don't, you don't humble yourself. You don't choose last. You take what's yours, Right? This is shocking words, and Jesus knows it. Here is greatness. Choose to be last. He knows how radical this is. I mean, that's even how he sets it up, right? He said, everyone else, he says. Everybody else uses power for themselves, right? It's what we do. We're good at it. Every, everybody else, he says, looks to be served rather than to serve. It's what we do. We're, we're experts at it. It shall not be so among you. Not with my people, not my kingdom, not my church, Jesus says. Choose to be last. Greatness in my kingdom, he says, looks like a slave. It looks like a child, as, he, as he's told us multiple times in this section, right? It, it looks like the unwanted worker who shows up late that we talked about last week. It looks, it looks like a servant. So what does last place look like? For me. For you. I mean, if I if I want so badly to be great, and if that's where greatness is found, how do I get there? Well, he's not saying that we should all just take jobs in the service industry. I mean, I not that there's anything wrong with those jobs, but that's that's if you hear that from that's not what he's saying, right? He's he's not saying that the orc chart in your life needs to be flipped upside down, that you can still lead your family or your business or your team or your community group or whatever it is, right, and be a servant, right? I mean, in fact, we we know biblically, experientially, historically, like the best leaders are servants. I mean, even even like the work of of Jim Collins. I I love his best-selling book, Good to Great. It's one of my absolute favorite leadership books. Jim Collins, to my knowledge, is not a a Christian. Um, and, And yet his description of a level five leader, that's his like highest tier of leadership, I mean, that's exactly what Jesus is getting at. Listen to how he defines a level five leader. He says, level five leaders build enduring greatness through a paradoxical blend of extreme personal humility and intense professional will. I mean, that even sounds like Jesus, right? I mean, I- extreme personal humility and yet also intense professional will. It's not the ambition goes away, right? Of course they're ambitious, but their ambition isn't for themselves because of the humility piece, right? It's about something greater. People don't stop seeking greatness. Just know where true greatness is found. It's found serving others. I mean, whether it's the people above you or beside you or beneath you. What does it look like for you to choose to be last I mean, do I go around looking to be served or looking to serve? That's kind of an awkward question to ask in church, isn't it? Because we talk about serving a lot and there's always needs in which to serve. But the reality is, I mean, and we know this, like for some of you sitting here, like you are only going to be a part of this church as long as your needs get met. And the moment that stops happening, but like whose needs are you meeting? right? That, that's what this community is, is, meant, is meant to be. And I believe me, I know the objections, right? I, I hear them in my own head intimately all the time. I know the objections. Maybe, maybe some of you are thinking, well, that's, just not, that's not really my personality, right? I mean, serving is just not really for me. Well, then Jesus says, neither is his kingdom for you, right? It's, it's not like there's, a, there's an option here. Or, or, maybe, or maybe you think, you know, I don't, I don't mind serving as long as, I mean, if you're honest, like, I don't mind serving, as long as I get something out of it, As long as I feel the the benefit or the the enjoyment, whether whether it's something I really like or I'm really good at or or whatever, but I mean, like, tell that to a slave. That's what Jesus calls us to. It doesn't matter what you think of it. What he calls us to is absolute self-sacrifice on behalf of others. I mean, here's what it comes down to. I am going to pursue greatness. Am I going to do that in his kingdom or in mine? And And I realize for others of you, maybe you're even asking yourself, like, just wondering, like, oh, I'm not, I'm just a pretty average person, right? Maybe, maybe some of you think, like, I, I'm not the smartest, I'm not the best looking, I'm not the most successful, I'm not the best on the team, you know, and so, like, what is, what is this for me? Well, I mean, if that's, if that's you, like, there's really good news here, because those, those categories don't define you anymore. Those, those aspirations for success they're no longer the most important thing about you. Not if, not if you know Jesus. In fact, Jesus says, that, you know, those, those old categories of greatness, they just don't apply anymore. Not in the, not in the same way. Or maybe, maybe you're just like, yeah, but why? This is me, truthfully. Like, some, like serving stinks. Choosing to be last, like... A, I was built for first, right? That's, I, want, I want to be first. I want to be important. And, and maybe, like, if I do this, then I'm never going to get what I want. Like, if, if I'm always looking to serve, who's going to take care of Nathan, right? How do I get mine? I get that. That's why this last thing is most important. We've tuned out so far. Catch back up for a second here. Because yes, everyone wants to be great. And yes, greatness is found in last place. Yuck. My friends, last place is with Jesus. Last place, that's where he is. And if that's where he is, that's where I want to be. I mean, if, that, if that's where he is, where, where else would we go as his, as his followers, as his, as his people? And if it's, if it's good enough for him... I mean, he's not, he's not telling us to do something that he's unwilling to do, right? He's not like saying, hey guys, you should really serve and by the way, start with me, right? I mean, look at what he says. I mean, he who, who comes from heaven, right? The God of the universe who became flesh, who deserves, who, who has every right to demand absolute service. Jesus doesn't say that. What does, he, what does he say instead? It's in verse 28, that we are to serve, you and I, Even as the Son of Man, that's, you know, one of Jesus' nicknames for himself, came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And being a servant doesn't make Jesus less, does it? Like, he doesn't become less God when he washes his disciples' feet. He doesn't become less God when he hangs on the cross, dying dying for our sins, the ultimate act of service. I mean, somehow, somehow, like, that... Um, service, I mean, that he is exalted to the highest place as a result, but that that is his descent to greatness, that the creator, the sustainer, didn't come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom. And listen to this, that word, a ransom, like historically, culturally, that that word was most often used when a slave would purchase their freedom or someone would, would purchase the freedom uh, of a slave in, or, in order to, to be free. So, I mean, if you're following like Jesus has said, yes, be slaves, but it's, it's, so, it's so that he can buy us. And so that we can be welcomed into his family, not, not as slaves, but as sons and daughters into, into his family where, where we find our greatest freedom in slavery to Christ. That's, that's, where great, that's where greatness is, that's where satisfaction is, that's, that's where joy is. And if that's true, right, then we can choose to be last. But I know the biggest question, it remains for all of us probably, at least for me. Again, it's if I do this, right, let's just, sake of argument, I choose last. That I, I begin to live my life seeking to serve rather than to be served. Who's going to take care of me? I've got, I've got needs. I've got desires. I've got things that, that I want. I mean, who, who will serve me if I do this? And Jesus says, I will. I mean, that's, that's what he's getting at here. I'll take care of you. I who know you better than you know yourself, who, who can do anything, the God of the universe, I will take care of you. And if he has served you, I mean, if, if he has paid my ransom, then I can choose to be last because I'd rather be with him anyway. So what are we going to do about it? Not just broadly, right, but specifically. Not just for, for them, right, the people sitting around you, but for, but for me, and not just sometime later, but now. What are you going to do about it? You're pursuing greatness. You already are. So am I. But only servants find it. In fact, if you're a follower of Jesus and you, you want to take Jesus seriously, that means you you have a brand new job description in his kingdom. Every one of us. It's pretty simple. Servant. That's, that's who we are. Nothing, nothing more, nothing, nothing less in his I mean, I, I'm not I'm not a first and foremost a father, I'm a servant. I'm not first a husband. I am a servant. I'm not first a, a pastor or a church leader or CEO or whatever. I'm a, I'm a servant. I'm not first a friend or a neighbor or a classmate or wherever, wherever you find yourself, right? First, I'm, a, I'm a servant. And so we made us all business cards. Seriously. Um, they under your chair if you want one. Maybe it seems a little cheesy. Whatever. I need this, okay? I made made them simple. I, just, I need I need like lots of them, and so maybe just take one. This is this. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is what this is what it means. Servant. Nothing, nothing more, nothing less. And so maybe you know you put that in your wallet, you put it at your desk at work. Maybe kids take it, hang it in your locker, put it in your book bag, keep it on the mirror or the fridge or in the car. I mean, really, honestly, keep it wherever you spend a lot of your day, and where it's the hardest. That's. That's where this goes. Wherever it's most difficult, this this is who I now am. And so you can ask yourself in those moments, well, who, who am I because of Christ? What am I supposed to do because of Christ? How can I be great? And just imagine with me for a moment a community that did this. I mean, let's like just make believe that let's say every one of us left this room saying, yeah, that's who I'm going to be. That's who I'm going to be in my marriage. Think of about, think about what that would do for marriages in, our, in this room, right? That's what I'm going to do with my, with my kids or for my, for my parents or my, or my siblings. This I mean, think about what would change in your office. No matter how much authority you have, what would change if this, this was the perspective of your, your, your team or your class at school? Imagine a church like that where everyone sought to serve everyone else. And if we can help you get started here, we have lots, lots of ways to engage, lots of ways to begin putting this into practice. We have opportunities in the lobby. If, you're curious, if you wanted like an immediate next step of application, go in there after the service and find a place to contribute, to be a part of that. What if we were that church here in Olathe. I mean, we would grow faster than we can handle, wouldn't we? Because people, people would meet Jesus left and right. Lives and families and businesses and schools would, would, be, would be transformed. Kids would feel safe and loved. Students would know that they that they belong. I mean, we'd blow the roof off this place, right? With people longing to meet the one who came not to be served, but to serve, because they'd see him in us. Right? And not just here, but everywhere, in everything that we do, in every everywhere. That we go what if we were that church friends that that is happening here uh, sure i mean we have, we have a long ways to go and some of you frankly just need to like jump in and get started get to work right but this is what god does through his people that's what he's doing here because we know and we've talked about this it is so easy for churches to turn inward isn't it and we, the, the Olathe campus here, we're coming up on our 10th birthday in December. Um, and that's like statistically, that's around the time period when so many churches begin to exist only for themselves. Hunker down, support only its, only its own, forget about the, the world around us or the community in which we're in. And that, that happens in so many places. And I don't know about you, I don't want to go to that church, right? I mean, I hope you don't either. I don't want to be a part of a community that gives itself away, that chooses to be last for the sake of its, of, its, of its neighbors, the people around us. I mean, since Christ Community began 27 years ago, we have had a desire to be a catalyst for spiritual awakening for all of Kansas City. And we know that sounds maybe a little bit crazy, but we had no idea 27 years ago when we started that, that God would spread us out in five strategic locations across our city, equipping us to, to do this kind of work in the communities that he's put us. And that there have certainly been times when we've had to deliberately fight that inward turn keep fighting it and there are times when God just like kicks us forward I mean sometimes it's it's with big surprises like when this this property was given to us um, and and we became a, a multi-site church 10 years ago other times it comes to like you know these gentle nudges and whispers when we don't even hardly see it coming but it always comes through people who choose to be last and without exception People people who are willing to give and serve beyond their own capabilities, who love what God is doing more than than they love themselves. Not seeking to be served, but to serve. And we believe that now is another one of those sort of catalytic times for us. I mean, similar to to when we uh, here in Olathe sent out 130 people to start our Shawnee Mission Campus. That was 18 months ago now, hard to believe. And they're they're, uh, thriving and flourishing there as we long to see the gospel spread in that community as well. But the reality is, like, a year, within 12 months of us sending out those 130 people, we grew by more than that number here as well. I mean, we had no idea when God put us in this little corner of Olathe that Olathe had become the fastest-growing city in Kansas City, fastest-growing city in Kansas. And, I mean, if you know, like, your geography, like, most of that is, like, right around here or just to the west of here. And you drive by it. Many of you live within a mile or two of this building, and you, you see the... The new homes, the new neighborhoods, continually being built. And we longed, we long to serve our neighbors, because many of those moving here, they don't, they don't know Christ. And yet, what's really fun is so many of them, and this is, I know this is some of your story. Um, uh, they, young families, you know, start having kids, begin asking questions, and we just happen to be in their neighborhood. And, and some of you have come as a result because of that. And, and now you're here and your life is beginning to change and Jesus is beginning to take over and, and you're seeing what, what God can do. And the reality is not only are we running out of room for those who are here, and we feel that every Sunday, it's getting a little bit tight in here, right? I haven't fallen off yet, but I'll give it time. Not only are we running, around, running out of room for those who are here, we need more room for those who aren't here yet. Because they're coming. They're moving to our neighborhood, and we want to be a church that reaches, that reaches our community. And so, friends, we need to build. We, we've got to do something to be able to be a better, welcoming um, entity for, for those neighbors who are coming. I mean, just, just a quick snapshot, and, and I, I want to share this just because we, we feel like a small church. I know many of you say that when you come here, but I just I love kind of the small, intimate feel. And I do too. I mean, that's one thing that I pray we never lose, no matter how much we grow. But the reality is, you just need like we're not a small church. I mean, last it feels like like three services that helps. Last Sunday we had seven hundred and eighty people here. It's five hundred in this room, seventy one middle school and high schoolers, and two hundred nine birth through fifth grade. Seven hundred and eighty in this little building, right? And we know that four services coming. It's probably inevitable. It's on the way. Um, We're not afraid of that, um, but we also know it's. I mean, maybe we're a little afraid. Uh, I want to be honest. Um, yeah, maybe a lot afraid. Excited, but afraid. Um, but we know that's not a, it's not a long-term solution either. Um, it's just, it doesn't work long-term. And So we need, we need to build. And so much, after much prayer, um, conversation, elders, staff, congregational leaders, consultants, architects, uh, we believe that God is, is pushing us forward into a season uh, of e- expansion. And so this morning at all of our campuses, um, we were introducing... Uh, an initiative to aid our mission in reaching Kansas City. We're calling it Reach KC um, because our heart is bigger than just one spot or one location. It's it's bigger than just Christ community. Uh, We have a heart for all of our city, Uh, and we want all of our campuses to join us and and jump in with what God is doing and and helping us move forward in this way. There are two projects that are part of Reach KC. Uh, First, we want to be able to set aside uh, money to be able to buy land for our Shawnee Mission campus. Um, They're homeless right now, um, and we we want to say to that community, we're we're not going anywhere and that we're com- committed to this, this area um, and we w- they're in a school and it's fine, but we want to we say, yes, this is where we're at. We want to take that step uh, in moving forward. Uh, and then the other project is we've, we've got to do something here. Uh, we have to expand um, in, this, in this place. Now, I'm sure you've got a lot of questions like when and how much and what and what's this going to cost and on and on and on. Um, we have a lot of those questions too. Um, but you're going to be hearing more about it in the coming weeks. Uh, And so this is just kind of to introduce it to you, to get you thinking about it, and really to to ask you to do a a few things in response. First, plan to join us for our congregational meeting and church-wide cookout celebration coming up on September 11th. It's going to be here at the Olathe campus, all five of our campuses, kind of because we want them to feel how crowded this place gets. Uh, we want them to feel a little bit of our pain, so we're going to do it over, over two services, um, two different times that you can come to that meeting. In between, there'll be a great party uh, with food and games and you know, music and all. We want to celebrate because God is, God is at work um, through us and in us, and we want to be a part of that, and so that's put that on your calendar. That's a big deal. Uh, during that meeting portion, so everyone's invited to that, but members uh, will be voting on uh, New Elder as well as uh, reviewing and voting on next year's budget. Uh, and then also sort of reviewing the details and, and voting on uh, the Reach K- KC initiative. And so um, put that on your calendar. It's a big deal. You can pick up uh, packets, budget packets, that kind of thing at the Welcome Center if you want more, more information or on our, on our website as well. So that's the first thing. Second, second, um, begin praying uh, for this. Some of you already have. Some of you have been a part of different meetings and different groups talking about some of these things. But please Pray. I mean, pray that, pray that God, we, we think we're following him, but we don't want to get ahead of him. We don't want to fall too far behind either. Um, but pray that, that God is leading us um, in the way that we should go, um, that, we're, that we're attentive to how he's leading. Um, and pray, pray how um, God would have you participate in this. Because it's going to take all of us. It's not going to be cheap. It's not going to be easy. I'm not, not to reach the community that God has, has placed us in. And so begin praying, what is this going to mean for my family? Um, how, how, God, do you want to stretch me and my kids and the people around me? How do you want to stretch us um, by moving us forward in this? So, so pray. Uh, third, and I, I love this one. Um, not that I don't love prayer. Um, the third thing, though, just keep doing what you're doing. Because you're, you're in large part the reason this place is growing, right? We're not naive enough to think that it's us, right? It's because so many of you, week in and week out, choose to be last, you give, you serve, you invite, you welcome, you love, you engage, you, you seek people out. And, and I mean, that's, that's, what, that's who we are. And so many of you are, are already engaged in that way, doing that, continue to do that. I mean, choosing to be last, that's, I mean, you're why Christ community is a great place. So keep it up. And with that, I mean, know that it's only going to get harder before it gets easier. I mean, we're already like basically out of room. Okay, especially like you wander through the classrooms at nine thirty, just take a little peek. Um, It's gonna it's gonna be harder before it gets easier on all of us. Um, and for those of you who, who have not engaged yet, not only do we need your help more than we ever have, but I mean honestly, like, do you really wanna miss out on it? What God is doing in this space, jump in, find a place to serve. Help us make it to this next this next phase together. And then the last thing, last thing, give glory to Jesus. He said he would build this church. We had no idea um, how he would be so faithful in using us. Um, Not not because of him, but because of our lack of doubt. The things that we have seen, the people that we have seen, lives, I mean, just coming to faith, growing, changing. Some of you have experienced that. Give him glory. He chose to be last so that we could be saved. He hung on a cross for our sins so that we, so that we also, without fear or, or without you know, any sense of, of regret, we also can choose to be last so that others as well can experience his salvation and the joy of being a part of a community that flourishes together. God, help us be faithful. Let's pray. God, I am so excited about what you are doing. God, I pray that you'd protect us in this, protect us from arrogance, um, protect us from our own self-inflated view of greatness. Humble us and lead us. Stretch us even when it hurts. Help us to give ourselves away, to choose to be last for the sake of our neighbors, many of whom don't know you. God, we we long for that. We long to see that. And and many of us here, I know, we have people in mind, right? We we can picture our neighbors or our our classmates or the people we work with, maybe people in our own family. God, we long for them to encounter you. We long for them to have the same hope and transformation that we've experienced. Help us to be faithful. And God, I I pray as well that um, as we leave this room this morning, as we, as we enter the office tomorrow or the long list of to-do uh, at home or at school, God, help me to, help me to serve. God, I pray that you help me to seek to serve rather than to be served. Help me to be okay with last place, knowing that we, I get to be with you and that you'll take care of me. And so now we worship you, Lord Jesus, for you are worthy in Christ's name.